stupid. He comes across in front of me every single time he overtakes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking zone! This week in racing, Formula One gets a big dose of Big Rick energy. Toyota wins a 500-mile race that has nothing to do with Kyle Busch or Martin Truex, and Brian France goes back to the mill. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Good day to you, wherever you may be listening to this fine podcast. I am not Andre Harrison because I'm not I'm not in the Czech Republic right now. Um, so yeah, while 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 our fearless leader Andre Harrison is enjoying uh is enjoying some motorcycles in the Czech Republic, the uh, MotoGP, uh, the Czech Grand Prix over there in Brno, um, it's up to us to hold down the fort. I'm RJ O'Connell, at RJ O'Connell on Twitter. Welcome to episode 155 of Motorsport 101. Uh, with no IndyCar, with no F1, we have somehow managed to have a great, uh, we have a great episode on hand because, uh, y'all, Danny Ricardo has just lit 2018-19 F1 silly season on fire, folks. And here to talk all about it, as someone who is very excited to spend uh, long, long amounts of time talking about Danny Ricardo, is uh, is day one Renault fan from from New York, Ryan King. Hello, Ryan. Good to see you. Yeah, I, it, it's it's been great. I've been day one ever since, ever since since, since well since they've come back since they've stopped being Lotus. <laughs> Yeah, let's just say that we're we're gonna hear it's. You might as well crank up the Wiz Khalifa. And, uh, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we don't. Well, because uh, it's it's all black and yellow, black and yellow, black and yellow. Um, yeah, we'll talk everything about the Danny Ricardo news. Uh, him joining, his leaving Red Bull to join Renault. Uh, we also have other news. Um, uh, changes to IMSA for 2019. Uh, a big part of the road to Indy success withdrawing with Mazda announcement. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the 500 miles of Fuji at the end of the podcast. And, of course, the uh, the bombshell news that is happening today, August 6th, on a Monday. NASCAR CEO Brian France getting arrested for oxycodone possession. Whew. Well. Damn. And also a DUI. But uh, let's, mm. let's not forget... Chase Elliott won at the Glen, so something good happened for NASCAR in New York. <laughs> yes. Man, crazy things happen when NASCAR goes to New York. <laughs> and somehow somehow this time they have not involved Tony Stewart. That one hurt me to say. Also joining us from this that podcast, joke was a from, hit. The, from, the, from the great state of Texas, Patrick Hofstetter joins us. <laughs> Uh, helping us sub for uh, for the absent Andre Harrison. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess we are we're technically Team America tonight. Yeah. Oh yes, we are we are an all American podcast. Yeah. Has been swallowed up in the uh, in just tons and tons of monster energy. By the time we get back, this ship. Uh, sorry, Rich Energy, you had your chance. Uh, but this is now a Monster Energy podcast. Um, that executive order just being tested to me by Andre Harrison. <laughs> don't, don't look it up. It's true. I Uncompensated would, sponsor, Monster and Energy. I would. Well, as long as you don't, like, 
as long as they're not sponsoring us like BWT sponsored Force India, <laughs> we're fine. <sighs> when you owe yeah. your sponsor money, guys. Uh, Thank you. Thanks, VJ. Fucking, uh, I am so, so, so excited for Daniel Ricardo to not have to deal with his terrible uh, Red Bull dad, Helmet Marco, and his terrible Red Bull brother, Max Verstappen, anymore. Uh, speaking of, speaking of speaking of which, uh, coming to us live from 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 the from this heartland of uh, American motorsport, Noblesville, Indiana. Christopher Hardy, who is just coming back to us from Road America, which is why he's going to tell us a little bit about IMSA, uh, the races that happened. Some some shit went down. We had an upset win, and we have a state of the series and a split of the premier classes. Hello, Chris. Good to have you on once again. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's awesome when you get back to the house at 5 o'clock in the morning, then you wake up five hours later to go to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for some uh, IndyCar testing, and then... Uh, yeah, that, it's been a heck of a day, heck of a weekend. IMSA, in my opinion, hit a home run. And, uh, yeah, we have a lot of uh, hot takes for today's podcast. I'm looking forward to this. The takes will be sizzling. And speaking of sizzling, we got some hot news. On the weekend, on the day that we we're recording the show, uh, Motorsport 101's YouTube channel, where you could see highlights of past shows and uh, check in on uh, – you will also have Google Hangouts. That's the thing we're doing. Uh, yeah, YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101 has now reached 2,000 subscribers. My dudes, we have made it. Hands up in the air. Let's celebrate. Uh, and uh, also, thank you to uh, thank you to Connor. Connor, thank you so much for making so many of our awesome highlights over the past year. And, uh, and thank you to everybody who's subscribed, um, including uh, – this doesn't seem right uh, – a, a new subscriber from the Netherlands, Tim Coronel. Damn, I guess we really have made it. Oh, uh, I've just I've just got some distressing news. Tim Coronel is now and oh now he's refollowed the channel. All right, we're back at two thousand. This is going to be a pattern, I feel. Um, to to get more of our content, please check us out at motorsport101.com. We are on uh, we are on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101, Twitter at t- Motorsport underscore 101. If you wish to follow our personal Twitter accounts, you can follow us at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, that's with two Ks, at RJ O'Connell with two N's and two L's, at PartyPat116, and at C.D. Hardy, that's C-D-E-H-A-R-D-E. And uh, if you really, really like us, if you want to back uh, us financially, you can back us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. $5 gets you early access not only to Motorsport 101, but also to Bike Live on the Motorsport 101 network. And uh, with Dre coming back in person uh, from from the uh, from the Borg, from his Monster Energy-sponsored uh, day trip, um, the takes are going to be hot. Um, as the uh, the second half of the Moto G- GP season kicks off, um, yeah, you get five dollars. You get early access to both shows. If you back us with ten dollars, you can listen in as we're recording. Uh, so thank you to everybody who has backed us and will continue to back us in the weeks, months, and years to come. <sighs> All right, we uh, some stuff happened over the week. 
uh, let's get into uh, let's get into a long and detailed discussion about Big Rick Energy. Yeah. Uh. had just kind of a general feeling like this silly season wasn't going to be that hot mm-hmm. mercedes re-signed both their drivers ferrari kind of looked like they were do- about to do the same red bull looked like they were about to do the same and then all of a sudden on the morning of friday august the 3rd we get a column in from racefans.net's Deirdre rankin and keith collantine Daniel Ricciardo will leave Red Bull after five years with the Formula One team and join Formula One and join Renault next year. In a scoop that has stunned the world, Daniel Ricciardo is leaving Red Bull and going to Renault, and folks, it's on now. Silly season has just gotten silly. It's turned sideways. And uh and I think the happiest person about this is uh is our resident Renault Stan, Ryan Eric King. Well, at first, when I heard about the news, I was really excited. Then I heard, obviously, you, you, you give it a couple minutes to sink in, and then you think about all the implications this mean. And this means, like the the immediate implication of there's now an open seat at Red Bull. Who's going to partner with Max Verstappen next year? Also, the other side of things, who's going to be the man left out at at Renault? Oh man, it's Carlos Sainz Jr. <sighs> it. And then there right. are so, so many implications. <laughs> ah, jeez. Where do we even start with this? So let's uh, so let's just start with how this directly affects Daniel Ricciardo, who, if he had stayed at Red Bull, would have been uh, would have been coming into Red Bull for his sit season and coming in with uh, Red Bull uh, switching from Renault Tag Heuer to uh, to Honda, uh, taking that massive massive leap of faith. But now Daniel Ricardo keeps his uh, his relationship with Renault Power, which he's had for pretty much the last five years, if not more, going back to his days at Toro Rosso. Um, he has signed a he has signed a two year, seventy million dollar contract to drive for Renault beginning in twenty nineteen. Nico Hulkenberg, who is already on a multi year deal, is uh, going to be his co driver. Is going to be his teammate. Is going to be his teammate this year, and. Uh, and all of a sudden, uh, I mean, we have, uh, it's been known, especially if you watch this season, that there is a considerable gap between Mercedes, Ferrari, Red Bull, and everybody else. But of the everybody else, Renault seems to be the, the best of what we call Formula One and a half. The Formula One claiming rights teams. The LMP2 class of Formula One. Um, uh, well... Renault are a manufacturer team, and uh, with manufacturer money comes manufacturer expectations of winning races, winning championships. Renault has done that before in years past. Mm. Uh, you only have to go back to the Fernando Alonso years in the mid two thousands, and before that, the Alain Prost years of the of the early to mid eighties. Um, safe to say, with Ricardo and Hulkenberg on the same team in year four. This is the time where Renault have decided that they are 
They're serious about not just being the best of the LMP2 teams or the best of the rest, and they want to get back to making this a big four. I I feel like this has to. I feel like a high profile signing like this for them also. It because like everyone knows Nico Hulkenberg, but Nico Hulkenberg is not a. He's not a Ferrari driver. He's not a McLaren driver. He's Nico Hulkenberg a... is not a Grand Prix winner. He's not even a Grand Prix podium finisher. He's a Grand he Prix participant. <laughs> he is. He does have a 24 Hours of Le Mans victory. True. So do two other drivers on the grid, but that's besides the point. Uh, I, I feel like this was their proof of concept, and I feel like this is also a firm commitment to Formula One for them as a factory outfit. Because year one was pure rebuilding. 2016 yeah. was pretty much probably just settling debts and trying to right. build a technical settling debts, Settling debts from the Lotus era. Yeah. Which were really, really mounted. Yes, we're... Uh, talking about the Endstone outfit as a whole. Um, yes. Uh, which, by the way, just love being able to just offhandedly refer to it as the Endstone team. What sort of inside <laughs> baseball stuff is that? Uh, but I feel like this, I feel like they finally feel like they're in the position where they can spend the money on a driver. Granted, this is still... Are they? $35 million a year over two years. That is obscene amount of money. You get your money, Daniel. We are proud of you for that. This is still... He's still earning less than... He's probably earning about... Ooh, this actually raises an excellent question now. Do we know how much Botas's deal is a year? No, we don't. I, I don't have the. I don't have the. Is he making more than Valtteri at Mercedes? Less than Hamilton. <laughs> yeah. oh, well, certainly, certainly less than Hamilton. I think you take uh, every other Hamilton, uh, Vettel. You take every other F one driver. Money makers. Oh yeah, Alonso makes a ton. Alonso probably makes too much for yeah, results. So, uh, that is. At least results in Formula One. Yeah. Uh, what are Renault getting with the $35 million a year that they are getting for Daniel Ricciardo? They're getting 141 Grand Prix starts, seven Formula One victories, of which six of them have come from outside the, um, I want to say that's the top three. Top four. The top four, yes. Yeah. So six of those wins, we know that he can come back to the field. 29 podiums, two pole positions, 13 fastest laps. He has won the Grand Prix at Spa and at Monaco uh, earlier this year. He already has two wins. He has finished uh, he has finished top five in the Formula One World Championship uh, three of the last four seasons, including best finishes of third in 2014 and 2016. Um so they are getting a very top quality driver, and not just a top quality driver in terms of his uh, in terms of its results for a Red Bull team that is uh, they've, they've had their ups and downs, shall we say, over the past few years. Yeah, <laughs> safe to say. But even though well, the those championship weight, yeah, even though those ups and downs have been tied to the team that he's going to, Renault, who supplied Red Bull their power units. <laughs> And uh, I think it was uh, I think it was becoming very very obvious that that uh, that relationship yeah that divorce is already done, especially with Ricardo having two mechanical retirements just in his last four races alone. Lord knows how many points he would have if you know the Red Bull chassis, the RB14, and its tag Hoyer in air quotes uh, power unit were you know somewhat compatible. I 
So this also, another thing that Daniel Ricardo brings to the table that I argue that Carlos Sainz and Nico Hulkenberg, and this is not to their discredit, they don't bring the same level of fan and enthusiasm that someone like Daniel Ricardo brings to the sport every weekend. Oh. You, oh goodness! In that regard, yes. I think Daniel's a shoe in. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, long time listeners of the show know how I feel about Daniel Ricardo's fan base. <laughs> Absolutely, um, King as a day King as a day one Ricardo at Renault fan um, <laughs> has been there through all through all the good times when the uh, when the contract was first signed and uh, and all the bad times when we were speculating about whether or not this would be a a good deal or a move he would later regret. Um, the thing is, though, like, as, as silly and as irrational, like, Tanner Ricardo hype does get a little bit over the top, but he, he what? does bring, like, a fair bit of personality. I'm saying that sometimes the Daniel Ricardo fan media gets a little bit over the top. Yeah. As an Alonzo and McLaren fan, I have no idea what you're talking about, about expectations oh, getting I mean, too high. I, he's saying that Daniel can be a heel. <laughs> yeah, but, like, the best kind of heel. He's yeah. the Kenny Omega of F1. <laughs> that's that's perfect. Don't that's, at me. That's, that's actually a perfect. Yeah, that's really yeah. good, actually. Yeah. That's, that's huh. That's I love it. Um, man. Huh. So so Renault get so Renault in return they get easily Formula One's most affable, um, lovable for most regards personality in the sport. They get a determined driver who is who is uh, who is very uh, is very workmanlike in the way that he approaches things and very very quick. Ricardo in return gets the opportunity to be, to be undisputed number one in the team because uh, he was not gonna get that at Red Bull. Oh no, <laughs> no, because uh, when because even when when Max Verstappen is when Max Verstappen is on it. Sometimes Max Verstappen can make Daniel Ricardo look a little bit pedestrian, and even when Dan when Max Verstappen is not on it, you kind of feel like this is still Max Verstappen's team going forward, for better or for worse. Yeah, and on the Verstappen side of things, there are already reports saying that uh, this a possible signs move to Red Bull might not be possible because. Uh, of their terrible relationship for, you know, the most widely reported reason. And the other reason, which I've only seen reports of in most notably, uh, Marca, the, the main sports newspaper in Spain saying that Max Verstappen has a veto clause in his contract saying that he has a right to veto any possible teammates. Oh goodness. Yeah. Uh, Red Bull have given all have, Red Bull have given all the keys to uh, to the mansion to Max Verstappen. That is that is free real estate. He's got to bring furniture. Um, the trouble is that he may have a hard time picking up the furniture uh, in this house. So this is also where we get to the fact that Carlos Sainz Jr. seems like the most obvious replacement. After all, he is still a Red Bull affiliated Formula One driver. He is on loan. Uh, as of the as of this season, from Red Bull to Renault, Red Bull still ultimately cut his check. So you figure, in terms of in terms of his position with the team, and in terms of his uh, his performance, I know he's had a he's had struggles at Renault at times this year. But when he was with Toro Rosso, 
Um, he was genuinely one of the most underrated young drivers, especially when he was with Verstappen and when he was able to give Verstappen more than a fair mm-hmm. run for his money at times in 2015 and at the start of 2016. Well, with, uh, uh, but because they don't get along so well, mm-hmm. um, Matt, he may not get the seat. And now Carlos Sainz Jr. may have to look for other options. Yeah. Can we also talk about uh, the I want to get back before we end this talk about talking about what Red Bull loses in all this, but also, like you just have to look at how talented Carlos Sainz is. In Coda last year, that was his first race with the Renault. That was his first time sitting and stepping into and driving that Renault, and he scored points and was genuinely as fast or faster than Nico Hulkenberg all weekend who had been driving that car all year long. All season long. Yeah. And to be fair, it's not like Carlos Sainz's Jr. is just no match at all for Nico Hulkenberg. Yes, the point share is 52-30 in favor to Hulkenberg, who was 7th in the championship to Carlos Sainz's 11th, but Carlos Sainz hasn't always had the luck on his side, and and he's had some genuinely impressive races, including 5th place at Azerbaijan, uh, earlier in the season, which is still Renault's joint best result of the season, followed only by Hulkenberg's fifth at the German Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. Carlos Sainz, Sainz mania has cooled down, has chilled just a little bit, but it's still hot. And the thing is, it kind of, he, he definitely deserves a, on merit, he should definitely get the Red Bull drive, but the politics may not let him have it. Yeah. And that's, that's that's really a shame if that turns out to be the case. Red Bull's really losing something in all this. They are losing yes. their more consistent and I would say equally as talented head. Max will pull out drives that make you reconsider what are possible in certain conditions. But in terms of average pace, I'd say they're about the same. They each have days where they're better than the other. Daniel is far better on the brakes than Max is and far better at making judgment calls than Max is. So the weekends where Max will get a bit hot, like we saw for the first half of this year, and make oh, some sort yeah. of altering. Now they're going to be scoring. They don't have the Ricardo points to bank on. Uh, mm. They don't have. They're losing their. Even if Science comes in and replaces Ricardo, I don't rate Science as high as Ricardo. They're losing their most talented driver lineup they've had. Yeah. Uh, well, the second most talented driver lineup they had. The first one, which was. 2014. Vettel and Weber. Yeah. Nope. Oh, oh, Vettel and Ricardo. Yeah, Vettel and Ricardo. I'm sorry. I, I think of, I think of Vettel and Weber as the team that won all the titles. Yeah, but one person was doing all the winning there, bud. Oh, man, you don't have to. You know that, that cuts deep. Though, so if not Carlos Sainz, if not Carlos Sainz, who would get that second Red Bull seat? Didn't you hear it's Fernando Alonso? Yeah, like, in my mind as a team principal, if I have to run Max Verstappen as a second to Verstappen... Like, if I'm, I say that, I'm like, I'm being held at gunpoint to run Max Verstappen. But yeah, if I have to run Max Verstappen, uh, ideally... Corner sympathizes. Ideally, in that second seat, I'd want a reliable, crafty veteran who, number one, can reliably mm-hmm. score points, and number two, who mm-hmm. could probably tame Max Verstappen. And when people say Fernando Alonso, I'm like, maybe it should be Fernando Alonso. And then they're also like this, like, wild rumors out of left field saying that Red Bull are trying to entice John Eric Verne to come back, which is like, that is not going to happen. 
Yeah, I'm sorry. That's Formula E. Formula E champion should be Formula E world champion, but semantics. Yeah. <laughs> Jean-Eric Verne. He's he's not coming back. He's not coming back. Um, Unless he personally Rank- gets to hit Helmet Marco very hard. <laughs> you know, if if Kimmy doesn't get another one-year deal at Ferrari, you know, Red Bull wouldn't be a bad fit. I know Kimmy and Matts have had their spats in the past, but the thing is, it almost seems like he's a perfect fit. Kimmy's, Kimmy's got that veteran experience. He can score points. And uh, he's not going to threaten Matts' place within the team too much, for better or for worse. No, it does seem like the obvious pick uh, to replace Daniel Ricciardo uh, if it's not signs, and if it's not Fernando Alonso, well, it's gonna be it's gonna be Pierre Gasly from Scuderia Toro Rosso as a as a has three points finishes, but all pretty big ones. Fourth in Bahrain, sits in Hungary, um, doing pretty good things with a Scuderia Toro Rosso Honda, which, by the way, uh, he has that experience with the Honda power unit already. Um, has a good relationship with Honda going back to his one-off with Team Mugen and Super Formula, um, and is every bit the top prospect driver that Red Bull likes. Uh, Formula Renault Euro Cup champion 2013, runner-up in the Formula Renault 3.5 Series 2014, 2016 uh, GP2, now Formula 2 champion, uh, Super Formula runner-up in 2017. Uh, Pierre is good, he just, his equipment just consistently won't let him show that it's okay but then i i agree that gasly is probably the most likely prospect at this exact moment because we all know kimmy is going back to mclaren kimmy's going home or alternatively carlos is also going to mclaren depending on who you ask but then the question is okay who does who does toro rosso put in their second seat yeah because that that the causes amount of, the the amount of the strains issue where if you look ahead to Tara Rosso in 2019 as a whole for them, where technically in 2019 they'll be remaining the on paper works Honda team while Red Bull is a customer, which seems strange. But then there are also other rumors from like last year that Honda were kind of aiming to buy out Tara Rosso. Yeah, and uh, if if Brendan Hartley. You know who deserves a lot better if he's kind of a one-and-done deal which wouldn't make sense and if Pierre Gasly is the man moving up well now Red Bull have cleared the decks for their junior team and don't necessarily have a Formula One ready prospect to take their place uh, which has led credence to the rumors that um, Red Bull may take Lando Norris out on loan from McLaren but now that may come in a Matt, that's coming a little bit of jeopardy considering that um, McLaren and Toro Rosso are at a bit of odds with one another over the whole James Key thing. And that Lando himself has said he's willing to wait to step up to F1. Yeah, it looks like Lando's coming up with uh, with McLaren. Uh, don't think you're Red Bull season. So if you're Red Bull, what do you do with this Toro Rosso lineup? Do you bring somebody, do you try and bring somebody back into the fold, like an Alexander Albon, or you take another, you're Brendan Hartley, or do you try and convince, um, or do you just hope and pray that uh, Dan Tickdom can get those super requisite super license points, and then, uh, you know, try and write a really convincing letter that, hey, Dan's ready for F1. Artem Markov. Chris has the right answer. Chris has the right answer. Mamma mia, that's a, a spicy suggestion that like, I am entirely here for. Like, 
I would say, I would say it would the, be an even swap. The only hitch in that scenario is I, I assume Markov would be willing to leave. It's more likely will Reno let him leave? Yeah, because He'll be he rushing is to get a there. Reno. Yeah, ah, he would be rushing. <laughs> Also, I would I would love Artem Markalov, but I feel like people would just sour and just like, oh, we brought in we, the Williams brought in Sergei Sorotkin. Now imagine they're bringing up another they're bringing up another Russian in Formula Two, which I've taken over, never heard of. So, oh, man, I I think we know the answer to. I, I have it's Alonso, f- isn't? It? No, it's the other one. <laughs> the other one. They're going to trade Van Dorn for Key. That is where I've come down on my thinking over the past couple days and after I've seen my one or two paddock contacts that I still talk to think that they're McLaren and Torosso are close to agreeing on a deal, but it's going to involve trade of personnel. And with Stoffel's seat looking like a question mark in general with all this Carlos Sainz talk, I, I don't know. I wonder, I wonder if or- they give him signs. I wonder if Signs even still wears a Red Bull helmet in that McLaren. I don't. Oh goodness! Yeah, or, I'm thinking or, this will be the end of. Oh, okay, go this on. This is gonna sound wild. This is gonna sound wild. Give me your spiciest take. Spiciest take. James Key for Fernando Alonso. Wait, yeah, James Key, for Fernando Alonso. <laughs> okay. James Key is yeah. not the Fernando Alonso of technical teams, though. <laughs> that would be hey. No, for your Red Bull seat, we give you Alonzo. You give us Nui. <laughs> Nui's oh, coming home. Yeah, there were rumors that uh, that Adrian Nui would be going with Daniel Ricardo to this new yeah. Red Bull team, and I kind of say if they if they had done that, oh buddy, you mean this new look mm. Renault team? Yeah, the new look oh. Renault. Team. Okay, the new look Renault team. I am I am one glass of rum and coke into this recording. We're we're uh whew, we've already gone a good half hour. Oh, have um, we talking really? everything? Yes, we're all we're we're already waist deep into uh into big Rick energy. That is the subject. Daniel Ricardo is going to Reno with Nico Hulkenberg in 2019. Max Verstappen has an open seat. Will it be Carlos Sainz Jr.? Will it be Pierre Gasly? Will it be Fernando Alonso or Kimi Räikkönen or somebody else that we don't know of? What happens with Toro Rosso? Uh, what happens with McLaren? Though we do have to talk about closed doors, because before they had signed Daniel Ricardo, there were rumors that the Renault board wanted a French driver in that seat, and the number one target was Esteban Ocon at the... Uh, Esteban at, Ocon. At Force India. Now that door is closed. Now it seems like Ocon will have to stay at Force India. Who it's The future is a bit unclear of still... Though it seems Force India will be around, we just don't know who will be the owner of the team. Under under which under which I'm sorry, under rich ownership. <laughs> hey. Oofa doofa. Oh. oh goodness. Yeah. And uh and Sergio Perez is not exactly making things easier with vague Instagram story posts <laughs> suggesting that he might retire. Or maybe he's just selling off his diecast collection. <laughs> or maybe he's just remembering the years 2011 to 2018 when Tumblr was still good. It was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chris, Chris actually has the valid point. Um, yeah, the Force India saga is still ongoing, um, and we've 
and uh, will will Sergio Perez stay? Will Esteban Ocon stay? Does Esteban Ocon want to stay? Um, what hap- What happens here? What happens with any of this stuff? Um, all we know is that over the next few weeks and months, things are going to get really, really silly and silly yep. season. Because Spice all, is going to be so good. All we... Ainsley Harriet is just dropping all the spices and all the hot sauce right into this dish. Yep. All we know is that Dan Ricardo now drives for the inaugural Grand Prix champions, Renault. Oh my goodness! I I am so excited for I'm so excited for King to become the internet's number one. <laughs> it's standing. gonna happen quicker than I imagined. Let's do it. <laughs> Hand and lovable hat, King. Let's do it. Wait, uh, breaking breaking news here: the Shuri is no longer awful. It's just it's just it's okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, have... it, it actually just it actually gives you bacterial infections, but it's okay. You have Look. no soul. <laughs> Whoa, whoa, whoa. The the alcoholic content in the champagne kills bacteria, RJ. Uh, I, although uh, the rumors suggest otherwise, but uh, <laughs> now that we're on the subject of uh, of uh, of alcoholic substances, Ooh. Monday. Monday, August the 6th, 2018. Where were you? Uh where were you? So, to set the scene, um, NASCAR at one point, particularly in the late 90s and early 2000s, was making a big case to be as good as, as big as any of North America's big four sports. Certainly bigger than the National Hockey League, which is going through a rough patch. Um, about as big as Major League Baseball, the NFL, uh, the NBA, anything like that. Multi-billion dollar contracts for television deals, sponsorships, uh, one of the deepest classes of drivers we've ever seen um, television ratings to the roof spectator popularity through the roof and then uh and then not coincidentally around uh, 2003 i would believe that uh that bill france jr uh lent the keys to his son brian z france yes brian has made some very curious changes over the past few years and many for for better or for worse reasons kind of feel like you know the blame should be put on brian france for nascar's sudden dip in popularity though, though it, sh- it should be no noted it should be noted that brian france <laughs> before 2003 he was one of the leading forces behind uh the creation of the nascar craftsman truck series which ended up being at, at first it was envisioned as like this weird nascar senior tour but it's morphed into like this weird popular like national series for nascar yeah, like it's uh, it's basically it's basically NASCAR's equivalent of Moto Three for the bike fan, and it's every bit as fun sometimes. Um, but out of all this, you know, Brian France has made some some strange decisions, some in a, some groundbreaking decisions, some very questionable decisions. And now we know why. <laughs> <sighs> Brian France has gone back to the mill. In the story from ESPN. NASCAR CEO and Chairman Brian France was arrested on charges of aggravated driving while intoxicated and criminal possession of a controlled substance, according to a Sag Harbor Bridge, New York Police Department news release. That's right. Brian France got pulled over in the Hamptons. King, what happens when you drive in the Hamptons? Uh, well, when you drive in the Hamptons, there's, there's literally only one highway in or out. And most of these towns are really small towns with, like, two-lane roads. There are very few of these two-lane roads, so it's pretty easy for the police to cover them. 
So you're saying you're gonna get pulled over if you drive erratically in the Hamptons? Yes. If you allegedly miss a uh, miss a stop sign while fucking stoned out of your goddamn gourd on opiates, yeah, yeah, you're gonna get pulled over in the Hamptons. I've I've been allegedly, allegedly. You could you could be pulled over in the Hamptons while riding a bicycle, like. Um, so this happened, uh, arrested 7.30 p.m. Sunday, just hours after NASCAR Cup Series rising star Chase Elliott won his very first race. One of the most popular victories and one of the most long-awaited victories for a young driver in a long time. Chase Elliott finally gets that first career win, and then just hours later, the CEO of the sport gets pulled over failing to stop at a stop sign and then upon search of his person due to a lawful arrest mr france was in possession of oxycodone pills <laughs> things were going so well even before the race people were joking around because his hall uh, chase elliott's hall of fame father bill had announced that he was going to do a one-off in xfinity in the xfinity series event at road america and people were throwing around jokes that oh bill's gonna get another win before chase gets his first That was the wildest shit of the weekend up to that point. A 63-year-old man is going to drive an Xfinity Series race on a road course. Fucking Connor. Probably yeah. also thought he was driving an Xfinity race. <laughs> yeah, Connor Daly, fucking Catherine Legg, and Bill Elliott to headline your show at Road America. It looked like, man, everything was so going so well. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, so NASCAR already released a statement saying they're aware of an incident that occurred last night. We're in the process of gathering information. We'll take this serious matter. We'll issue a statement after we have all the facts. Um, 5 p.m. Um, Jim France was announced as the interim chairman and chief executive officer of NASCAR. Uh, Jim France um, founded what is what was the Grand Am Road Racing Series in 1999. Uh, which then became what we now know as IMSA today under the unified banner. Which he's still president uh, he of. Was one of the, yes, yes, so Jim France has... Uh, so even under... So as much as we give the France family flack, at least someone in the family is, you know, you know driving positive growth for a series in North America <laughs> under that same ownership umbrella. <sighs> They're about to split Cup and uh, Xfinity, <laughs> but also run them on the same track. Also, every race is 12 hours now. Enjoy. Oh, wonderful! Actually, I I hated King's idea from a from another chat we were having. Like, oh yeah, so now we're gonna have uh, NASCAR under TCR rules <laughs> under Rich Energy's ownership. It's awful. I hate it. Um, Chris, Chris, you were you were very previous news, and we we've, we've had our fun. You know, we what what is this news of Brian France's arrest? mean for nascar in the short term and the long term well uh first of all it's meaning uh, a lot of you know bad puns and hot bad well bad lukewarm takes from people on social media but um this is humongous news it's it's reached across you know across the globe apparently the guardian even picked it up in the uk um Really, this is probably about as big as you're gonna get, unless you get, unless the commissioner of baseball decides to screw something up, um, and they get him on camera doing it. Um, really, this 
this could mean a world of change for NASCAR, depending on what, if how long Brian France stays away from the sport or if it becomes permanent. Um, I think Jim France is doing an all right job over at IMSA, but I think um, if he can breathe some new life in a cup, it might change a few things because some things definitely changing now. And quite frankly, Brian France wasn't do- doing the right job. Um, I will say this, though. Um, eh, the person I feel bad for most that's not in the French family is Chase Elliott because if you look at, you know, all the good things that he had, he was trying to go go for and, you know, get away from all the stigma of not having won a race and all the bad memes about hating it for his guys, well, you know, now all of a sudden he doesn't have to deal with that, but now the headlines are on, you know, some jackass. All on the owner of the sport. Some jackass that couldn't uh, call an Uber. <sighs> Jeez. Well, yeah. Ubers are expensive and, and out there in the half of the sun. I'm sure he's got a black also, Amex. He can, he can finance it. I also, I also just, I also want to point out that yes, uh, Brian France does need help, and it's, and it's, you know, I definitely hope that he gets it. But also, you know, he's, he's the, he's a multimillionaire CEO. Um, he's, he's not necessarily your friend. So if you're out there saying like, man, we, we need to have a little bit of humanity for Brian France. When you, when you probably won't even stick up for your own friends or family members who actually know rather than just some dude who you know as a public figure that's not related to yeah. you, isn't your friend, probably won't be your friend. You know, yeah. Maybe get your maybe straighten your priorities out a little bit. I'm not saying that it's great that Brian France got pulled over because it's because it, it, it got caught with a, a controlled substance. Because it, it is kind of bad, but also, you know, he's, he's not your friend. Yeah, he's you know, not your friend. You, know, you don't need to stick up for him that you don't need to stick up for that much. Bill France don't care about you. Yeah, and the fact that he Bill, decided Brian, to get Brian behind the wheel while intoxicated. He didn't care about a lot of people. Yeah, Bill is also yeah. dead. I met Brian. But Brian France won't yeah, help and, you get and clean. And that's the thing about Bill C. Yeah, that's the thing about Bill Sr., Bill Jr. They were they were concerned about image uh, to, a, to a staggering fault. Um, not so much Brian after this. I, I did honestly expect. I don't know. I, I feel like he only got away with it the last time because it was pre-Twitter. I mean, we have the NASCAR subreddit literally busting teams that are cheating and cup. <laughs> yeah. Like, things have gotten NASCAR's, way different. Uh, Reddit R NASCAR is uh, is not only turning um, is not only turning uh, jer- young journeyman drivers into top stars, but also probably doing a better job at a technical inspection than their own uh, paid technical yeah, department. Like, They're the stewards we need. Yeah, if, if I ever ran Formula One, I would hire specifically the NASCAR subreddit to be my scrutineering department. Thank God, don't hire the F1 subreddit to do a damn thing. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, out of all that, the races will still carry on. There will be new leadership and you know, NASCAR still has a lot of other problems that it has to kind of work its way through what? and around. And if I may, uh, the other people that we should also feel bad for are all the uh, PR people in NASCAR that have to try and figure out a way to get out a different message than what everybody else is talking about because this is uh, clearly not the thing they wanted to look forward to seeing on Monday morning as well. Yeah, we, we should be talking about all of these first-time winners and how, yeah. like, Jimmy Johnson's not winning, which is yeah, weird. That's, that's strange. Honestly. Jimmy Johnson is now the veteran underdog. Yeah. This was Chevrolet's second win this year and Hendrick's first win in 37 races, and we're talking about the CEO of NASCAR getting arrested. Like, 
at, at some point you'd have to ask yourself, you know, why, why, what's going on here? Come on. It kind of shows that no one cares about people are so focused on the story of why the product is not maybe where it needs to be that people aren't focusing on the product. Yeah. Yeah. Because when, when NASCAR gets out of its own way and stops trying to gimmick everything up, um, there is a genuinely good product. Like, Pat, I know you and I are going to diverge on this, but I have an appreciation for the skill that over racing takes. It's different from road and street course racing. Oh, um, and and the engineering aspect of NASCAR is sorely, sorely underrated for what is seen as a primitive backwoods sport. There's as many great engineering minds working in top NASCAR teams as there are in a lot of uh, a lot of Formula One teams. I OK, I, you're mischaracterizing how I feel about ovals quite a bit. Uh, I don't like watching ovals and open wheel cars because I think that it is unacceptable levels of danger in an open cockpit car. I realize that there are safe ways to do it. That is not this discussion. We can get into that another time. That is entirely NASCAR sucks because they don't take it seriously. NASCAR sucks because all of these teams that are cheating, when they cheat week after week after week with no sense of remorse, Cool, you start taking away wins, you start being serious about what your series is. The stage system, all of these things, those aren't going to fix NASCAR. NASCAR sucks because NASCAR will not take what it needs seriously and will not look at anything other than getting back to the good days of the 2000s. Yeah, like it also, is. Also, there are two NASCAR series that are still carbureted. You cannot talk about road relevancy in relation to anything NASCAR related when you are still carburetting things that are not motorcycles or lawn equipment. End of rant. But hey, but hey, that's <laughs> Supra though. A Supra, a Supra that will have a carburetor <laughs> if they race it in Xfinity. Oh, oh my God. A Supra that looks nothing like a Toyota Supra. It's wonderful. It looks hideous. I love it. Yeah, it, it feels like it's... NASCAR takes absolutely the wrong thing seriously we've talked about this on this show many many times before where it takes like where they take like the pretty much golden to fisticuff seriously but the rule book might as well not be existent it is the air yeah, bud it, rule book of race series where it's like you'll get it is the who's line rule book of race series and it's not like we're we're saying that oh they're cheating week in and week out and like they're not getting caught or anything no they're getting caught they're getting penalized and they're choosing to do it again and again and oh, again. if they were getting caught yeah. i wouldn't care yeah <laughs> it's the because hey encumber encumbered victories <laughs> Not, we're not gonna take. We're not gonna. We're we're only gonna take a little bit of points off you. We're not. We're gonna actually strip you wins and winnings, but encumbered victories. You can still win the title. <laughs> if they want to be a legitimate sporting body, seen up there along the lines of the NFL. Well, <laughs> le, all right. Let's. Do you know what I mean by legitimate uh, sporting well, bodies? Uh, there, are, there are some things that there are there are that are cross pollinating that really shouldn't. Hey, in, hey. in either series. Let's let's just say. When, when the NCAA are willing to take wins away and you're not, you need to look in the mirror. Yeah. Don't forget, you can, t- you can take pole positions away after the fans have left, but heaven forbid you do it for a race. I Yeah, I, NASCAR needs to... I, and I, I honestly, with how NIM, Well, with how IMSA has been run the past three years, I would say we might have good things to look forward to. And... 
Is this uh, as we go to the state this... of IMSA later in the show? IMSA looks very good right now. Yeah, yeah. That actually might be a perfect segue to get into uh, the state of the series and also some musings on what happened at Road America for their uh, for their IMSA race weekend. Um, Chris. Chris, you were at the races. You saw pretty much everything from the big WeatherTech sports car series to uh, to, uh, to a couple of monster records and some of the support race. Tell us what you saw. Uh, tell us what you came away with. So first of all, the kink uh, does not discriminate. It goes against. It goes after everybody. Oh, uh, God. There's a wreck. There was a wreck there in the uh, Porsche Challenge, G- Porsche GT3 Cup Challenge race on Saturday. There was a pretty big wreck there on the con- in the. Uh, oh, sorry, let me do it like Ryan Eversley. The Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge uh, race on Saturday, with two cars, one of them actually flipping, uh, and there was also a wreck there on Sunday during the um, IMSA race as well. The Continental, oh, sorry, Continental Tires Road Race Challenge. I won't do that anymore. Sorry. Um, <laughs> So, funny enough, that wreck actually helped lead to the perfect pitch strategy for the GTD Daytona class winner. But, um, so, let's go back to the beginning of the weekend. On Friday, there was a massive State of the Series address with John Hydaw up oh, there with uh, yes. Scott Atherton, the IMSA president. Big Scotty. Yes. Um, and I can tell you right now, uh, I'm really excited about where they're going to head for 2019. Some people disagree with me about some of their big announcements but let's get right into it um first of all something that everyone can get agree with uh they're going to be on nbc and nbcsn and cnbc the entirety of 2019 yes my, my perfect in my opinion fox sports was not a good partner for them and i think oh the, no 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 well they weren't really a partner in the first place uh <laughs> But so NBCSN is going to be the sole home for the daytona 24 hours next year and they're going to have yeah. i think eight or nine hours of network tv coverage next year which is going to be about a good amount more than what they had this year but anyway i digress oh yeah yeah so uh the races that are going to be on uh the 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 main nbc network are the canadian the the most sport race in canada they're going to have the uh the weather tech race the race at laguna seca in its entirety and they're going to have at least part of the petit Le Mans, which i will be back at next uh next year the schedule in terms of the uh the imsa michelin championship uh it's gonna look the same uh no no venues are being added none are being replaced none are being dropped it's pretty much in the same order the only thing that's pending approval is the bell isle grand prix in detroit from the local government uh but you got two and a two and uh two and some parts of uh of races on nbc you're gonna have Robot 24 all on NBCSN, which, you know, sometimes I, I, I go back and forth with this. It's like, it's great that it's on one network, but you also feel like, but should some of your biggest race be on network television? Well, look at uh, Sebring. It's going to be on NBCSN and CNBC. Um, mm-hmm. But the good thing about it all being on NBCSN is that you don't have to switch channels and play channel tag. Like, okay, wait, do I have to go to CNBC? Do I have to go to NBC or or where do we go? Yeah. Um, you have to go to the Universal Network, <laughs> which like uh, which like 50 people have, a la Fox Sports 2. Yeah, because a lot of people kind of uh, tend to BN forget. Sports. Yeah, a lot of people kind of tend to forget that you lose most of your viewership when you tell them to change channels. If you're like, once uh, Rolex 24 coverage ends on Fox, and you said that coverage will now continue on Fox Sports 1, a lot of people don't change the channel. It's it's much better for ratings if you're on one I've channel. I've been guilty of that, yeah. too. 
I've been guilty of it too. It's 2 a.m. Now everyone's switched to UPN. <laughs> so. I, I don't. I feel like, yeah, that. And, and, and I'm surprised there's a TV deal at all. Uh, but I'm, I'm glad they were able to get a TV deal that is more. Uh, how we say. A deal, motorsports friendly, rather Motors- than an agreement. Yeah, well, let's go. Let's let's go with the motorsports angle here because NBC's SN is now, in my opinion, we, you might as well call it the de facto home of motorsports. You have a lot of NASCAR content yeah. there. You have IndyCar content is going to be on NBC SN and NBC next year, mm-hmm. and now you're bringing the WeatherTech Championship there too. It's all, and you all, and also you're going to have the the new Michelin Pilot Challenge. It's the Continental Tire Series is renamed to the Michelin Pilot Challenge for next year. Um, they're going to be on M- M- N- NBCSN a week or two later. But I wanted to keep going with the state of the series. I actually have this PowerPoint presentation saved on my phone here. I wanted to go through it. Um, nice. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I just took pictures of all of them. So uh, Michelin is going to sponsor the sports car encore at Sebring in November. There's going to be a four-hour endurance race uh, with four different classes of cars. And it will give teams the chance to test their cars on new Michelin tires for 2019, uh, the 2019 spec tires in November. Uh, you're going to have uh, LMP3 cars, GT4 cars, GT3 cars, so GT Daytona, and then TCR cars are going to compete as well. Minimum of two drivers, maximum of three drivers, no platinum drivers competing. Yeah, the- so this is basically a this is basically a pro am, a sportsman showcase after the uh, the conclusion of the main game IMSA season. Correct. The, uh, and the LMP3 cars are based from the ACO, the GT4 cars are based from SRO, the GT3 cars are based from the FIA, and WSC for TCR. A lot of acronyms. I know it's it's alphabet soup over here. I like it. I like it. It's uh, it's it. IMO. It's uh, it's PDG. That stands for pretty darn great. Awesome. <laughs> um, so we're looking here at uh, Michelin Pilot Challenge. They are going to change from three classes to two they're getting rid of the st class the street tuner class um all the races are going to be broadcast Great. as two hour broadcast on nbcsn about a week or two later um then we look at the michelin pilot challenge all the races are two hours except for daytona which is four hours and watkins Glen, which is also four hours um michelin is also taking over the endurance cup uh sponsorship tequila patron north american endurance cup is now the yeah tequila patron is gone both from the endurance cup and from extreme speed motorsports yes and uh so they're going to sponsor the cup at all four of the same tracks daytona sebring watkins Glen, and road atlanta now let's get into the big big the uh the big news as f1 rejects once called it uh, the prototype category for 2018 will split into two classes for 2019 with the manufactured DPIs and the LMP2 cars, the global LMP2 cars, uh, being into separate classes. Uh, some people in IMSA, the IMSA pack disagree that this about this being a good thing. I think it's a good thing because, quite frankly, these manufacturers are spending a lot of money on development, and they're being mm-hmm. chained back to a global P2 standard that does not change at all. And in my opinion, you're not letting the manufacturers show what they're capable of doing. Uh, this will work for all, if only two if two things are criterion are met. The first being manufacturers have to make their 
DPI machines available for customers to purchase. This, yes, that is that critical. Is, that is that that's the thing because as as we're thinking about like if the Hyundai JDC Miller Motorsport deal goes through, JDC Miller, one of the teams that has been one of the stalwarts of the global LMPG subcategory within IMSA's Premier Division, like they've generally won races and should have won a lot more, and now they might become a team. But I'm looking at Core Autosport, who have won the last two races with an LP2 car. Uh, spoiler core autosport one at road america mm-hmm. uh, and you think they don't have any they don't have any plans and nobody's going to field them a car yeah um well the other thing with lmp2 cars is that i think imsa needs to make it easier for lmp2 car uh, teams to get into the championship i know that there are some WEC teams that have lmp2 cars and they're just you know running around there and you know, if they wanted to race in the IMSA series, I think IMSA needs to do whatever they can to try and entice them over to come run. Uh, I don't know how they do it with reduced entry fees or tire bill or, or what. I don't know. Um, but I think there needs to be added incentives for them running over here. Um, but I like the fact that they're splitting them up. I think, quite frankly, trying to balance a part of the class that has open development and part of the class it that is, does not is not a good idea, in my opinion. It all It is always been difficult i mean lord knows we only had to go back to like the start of 2017 where where cadillac just showed up out of the box just whooping everybody's ass and they tried they tried and they tried and they tried but man there was they were still really fast as hell um i have uh i have feelings on this because i definitely think it would be awesome to see like the daytona prototypes uh gain another three to four seconds and that is a hot hot formula like honestly this should have been the direction that Premier Class Racing in the ACO and the WC maybe should have gone. No, no, that's you know that's there's there's that argument out there. But the thing is, um, TPI success is predicated on that manufacturer involvement, and it's it's hot right now, and so was LMP One Hybrid once upon a time. Now, obviously, this is much more cost effective than trying to run a full on LMP One Hybrid program, but. What hap- What would happen if we come to a point where, let's say, Mazda doesn't want to do this anymore, Nissan doesn't want to do this anymore, Hyundai decide they don't want to get involved, and the, all the OEMs just fade away? Well, then what happens to DPI after the fact? And furthermore, you know, we have we have had races where teams like Core Autosport have won. Again, it is a tough balancing act trying to balance two very distinct what it, what they're trying to make two very distinct prototype classes. Um. But, you know, one of the things that, you know, brings in the attention of Rolex 24 loves like United Autosports bring in Fernando Alonso in an LMP2 car or the Jackie Chan DC Racing Super Team with Rosenquist and Stroll and the like. Um, if those teams don't feel like they're going to have any contention to win because they know they're going to be four to five seconds slower out the gate, uh, they're probably not going to come in. Unless uh, unless Sims is going to make a very good pitch to keep them on his full-time entrance. By the way, LMP2 is also going to be a strictly pro-am category. So you're not going to have all oh, pro-driver lineups in those cars for those LMP1 teams. So it, LMP2 it, teams, I should say. It, it feels like by making LMP2 strictly pro-am, you're kind of forcing people. You're like you're making a market for the DPIs where people are going to have to buy DPIs. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, and as long as as long as the manufacturers make them available, that's one of the fa- that's one of the following points. Of LMP1 hybrid is that they didn't make any damn customer cars. Yeah, I <sighs> so I'm of a couple of minds by this. One, if if all of the OEMs that were on board or interested were not on board with this change, 
in the potential They're reality. Gonna be now. Well, no, I was going to say they would have not have signed off for it. Yeah. IMSA needs their OEM partners more than they need their privateer partners. And that is the sad reality of running a series like IMSA. Yeah, that's uh, the the WEC is uh, is feeling that feeling very, very well. Also, uh, can we talk about how for the majority of this season until the past two rounds when the car when the core car and for the majority of 2017, the, they were already two separate classes. Yeah, pretty much. And now instead of maybe fighting for an overall prototype podium, maybe if uh, mm-hmm. if all of the Cadillacs break or whatever, you then you get a fight for an overall win still on a off chance mm-hmm. because let us remember, even but though they lost. are separate classes, they still get a chance to the overall, such as the weird petite a couple years ago when the fucking oh yes GT when. LM Porsche won overall <laughs> because all the continental the continental tires. Um, sorry, you just didn't build a good road wet tire that day. No, I'm thinking that race is where it went sideways. I can also think of the 2003 Rolex 24 when all the brand new Daytona prototypes broke. But yeah. nah, Cops so, is going to IndyCar, still- guys. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Tire war. So- tire war. I, first of all, I'm a favorite of Tire Wars. Anyway, so let's go to the other uh, portion of cool. it. There were changes also in the uh, GT Daytona class. Uh, first of all, in practice, bronze and silver drivers will receive extra practice time prior to qualifying. I like it. They are the only drivers that are allowed to participate in qualifying, and they must start the race. So if you have a gold or a platinum, they cannot pre- have the extra practice time, they cannot qualify, and they cannot race. And I am a fan of that. Now, GT Daytona also has another uh, change. Um, I know we're talking about NASCAR here, but um, hang on a sec. Sorry, uh, we're looking at uh, IMSA WeatherTech. A lot of dry teams are looking at just doing uh, the the endurance races. But what about the other events? Well, now we have a Sprint Cup in uh, GT the Sprint Daytona. Sprint Cup is back? Yes, Sprint Cup is back for all seven of the... Uh, two-hour, 40-minute races for GT Daytona only. Now, there is one uh, crucial uh, situation here with the schedule. Now, the series is 11 races. There are f- uh, four races in the um, Endurance Cup. There's only six races, wait, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven races in the Sprint Cup. There is one race that is in the Sprint Cup that will not count for overall points. Uh, because GT Daytona cl- uh, teams were asking for a break, a one-race break, from for budget reasons. The race at, De- at Belle Isle in Detroit will not count for GT Daytona for the overall points championship. However, it will count for the Sprint Cup. So if a team wants to run the entire rest of the year but doesn't run Belle Isle, they won't win the Sprint Cup, but they could win the overall championship. So sort of a separate subcategory um, within. It's not. It's not the GTD championship, but it's it's something. It's like a sub a sub championship. Correct. Like the endurance cup right now, it's that except for it's the sprint rounds. So it is a oh, championship yeah. to go through, like the Patron Cup, but only for one uh, class. Except one class, yeah, and that's going to make only one cheaper. class. Yep, and that's going to make the Northeast Grand Prix at Lime Rock Park and the VIR race in Danville, Virginia, which is 
almost North Carolina, but we'll let it slide. Those are GT events. Those are GT only races. Uh, those have been hits. Uh, that's gonna that's gonna raise the stakes a little bit. Hopefully, um, there is one other. Mm. There's one other interesting uh, tidbit from this announcement. There, this is the 50th anniversary of IMSA, and they are going to have uh, a lot of promotional things for this year as well, plus a logo change to be gold instead of red. Um, but they also released the event class content for all of the races next year. LMP2 cars are going to race at Detroit, which I don't understand because you might have one or two teams go to Europe, and that might hurt them in the overall standings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, they got back in time this last time. We they've we made it see. work before. It's... They, but yeah. I, I, they would not have made that change unless they. Well, it's not even a change. It's just you're adding LMP2 as a separate class. Yeah, you're just you're basically splitting it up. The same cars will be there. Because oh. remember, there is no longer a prototype challenge, right. and there is no G. Sorry, I didn't. I just there realized I didn't finish my point earlier. Now, as an LMP2 team, you're both fighting for an overall win, but also, regardless of how the prototypes do, the DPIs do, you are still getting a win that you can take home to your sponsor or to your amateur backer and go, hey, we won. Yeah, you got a class win, guys. It's, you got a class win, which, hey, wins are wins. GT cars have been doing it forever. Yeah, LMP2 was already a separate class a while ago, uh, so I I don't think it's granted. I had some, IMSA can I had mess some it time up. To think if anyone can it. mess it up, it's American sports car I, racing. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I you know if you had if you had said this back in you know the start of 2014 where IMSA could do nothing right, maybe I would believe that. But you know. Give them time. Give the time for the product to settle and to develop into something a lot better than what we got started with immediately after the merger. And um, I feel confident. Yeah, I feel. I feel strangely confident that this can work. Yeah, I think. I think Pirelli World Challenge is torpedoing their own thing. <laughs> Imps has got to get it right. Yeah, like I exactly. No, that's racing the way it ought to be. I, I feel like that. I feel like P two is going to be a a good baseline because it really feels like IMSA is going to do with whatever with P2 that uh, the ACO is going to do with P2. So say, you know, yeah, whatever happens with P2 in Europe, that's what's going to happen to P2 in, in North America, which I think is a good move on IMSA's standpoint, like an IMSA standpoint. They're not, they're not going to do anything to deviate from that. And hey, you know, with, uh, with, with WEC LMP2 entries, you know it's tough to get into there. It's tough to get in the European Le Mans series. Um, there, there may be something to this. There may be something to it. I, I, it took. I had to take a little bit of time to think about it because when the first news first came out, it was just like, oh man, this isn't good. And then the more I think about it, it's just really like, no, hold on. There, there is some merit to this. Yeah, yeah, maybe they're right. You know, my my opinions are always split. So- just like myself this, in the bed. This is a slightly tangential story to that, but like the whole uh, IMSA not really being on board with the hypercar idea for, you know, with the WEC because the budget being a bit too high for them. And that news today that both Ford and Ferrari are kind of no longer interested oh, in the idea. Yeah. 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 yeah which, um, which. I know Toyota are. They want to make the GR Supersport a thing. Um, you know, it's looking likely that McLaren would still be on board. And, you know, there's always a chance that somebody else could show up. But, you know, honestly, I wasn't 
I don't know if I usually take Ferrari's threat of going to sports car <laughs> seriously because they kind of just use that as a as a perennial leverage chip whenever they want more money out of the constructors championship cut. Um, and also, I kind of feel like Ford is just like, yeah, we're we're not doing cars anymore unless it's the Mustang. Yeah, but I, it it feels like without that, you know, the confidence of having Ford and Ferrari in your corner, it might put more pressure on the ACO to lean towards adopting a more DPI approach. <laughs> you think Ferrari is holding out for a more DPI No, approach. no, no, no. That, no, no. Just, Ferrari are not going to be involved. People. No, yeah, Ferrari are not going to be involved in anything. Like, hypercar or no. DPI. <laughs> Ferrari's lucky they'll sell you a GT car that they won't run themselves. It's just that the ACO don't have the confidence, like, there's gonna be these two OEMs in their corner in the hypercar project anymore. Yeah, they're they're really banking on Toyota, McLaren, and Aston Martin for the time being. Yeah. Uh, if if you want to just throw out like names like manufacturers that you know pe- that the average layperson will recognize, that's not to discredit uh, Scooter Rig, Lickenhouse, or or Brabham uh, or the Brabham project. Oh, I'll discredit like the Brabham project. <laughs> But that's another tangent for another day. Oh, we gosh. still haven't gotten to the Interesting race. Times. Yeah, we still haven't yeah. gotten to the race. It was a good one. Yeah, it was a good two hours was, and forty it minutes. Was, it was a, it was a good one. I admit, I I kind of checked out on it because I was so dead and tired from another race we'll be talking about, another sports car race soon to be discussed on the show. Um, tell me about it. Is it well, worth rewatching or re-listening to? Yes. Uh, um, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, I think um, the biggest thing is that we could have had two first-time uh, victories for different cars because with less than five minutes to go, the Mazda DPI was leading. Oh. Why? It, it hurt so bad. I know. I was, I, was hoping, oh. uh, I was hoping to see them get in a victory lane as well. Um, and but in GT Le Mans, the number twenty-five BMW M8 was Big leading. M8. Too. Yes, exactly, and uh, that would have been a, a great post uh, to put up online with seeing a humongous M8 crossing the start finish line to get the checkered flag. Um, <laughs> but uh, so what was really sad about the twenty-five car is that they actually ran out of fuel uh, coming. I think with like two laps to go. And he actually did not make it up the pit road entryway the entire way. <laughs> too he big. The, he he well no <laughs> he was too slow. He ran he so he ran out of they ran out of fuel and they stopped on on the pit eggs entrance and they told him take your foot off the brake. He let the car roll back down the hill and up to the marshal post so they could stay green the last two minutes of the race. Oh, so they. So, it's, so it sounds to me, based on the picture that you've just painted, that they tried to do a Marcus Ambrose in Sonoma 2010. Uh, Try and save fuel up the hill. Well, well you know when two already, bodies yeah. each have their own gravitational pull? The M8, big M8 could not escape the, uh, the that incline. Do you no. think BMW, Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan racing can fit both those cars in the infield? No. Yeah, I think so. 
it will be a tight fit. Um, now, one other thing we should also uh, talk about: GTLM, uh, the championship leader, had a suspension failure on the in breaking to uh, turn one. The number 66 Ford GT had to go behind the wall, get some repairs, and finish seventh. And they dropped from first to third in the standings, while the team car, the 67 car, ended up winning GTLM, while Colin Braun and John Bennett won overall in Core Autos. Excuse me, in the Core Autosport number 54 Orica LMP2 car, and in GT Daytona, uh, Wright Motorsports got their first win of the year. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which means Christina Nielsen yes. got her first win of the season. Yes. And so. Here's what's really, really cool about them getting that win here. At Lime Rock, they were actually, I think, in second place with about 30 minutes to go in the race. Their left rear tire that they put on on the final pit stop had a construction issue with it, and unfortunately, they did not have... Um, they didn't know what was going on. They fell all the way to being the last place car on the track. Uh, so for them to rebound here at Road America was fantastic for them as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've had some they've had some poor luck in some recent races. I understand it, but it it sounds like this race got really silly, really really quickly in the last couple minutes. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely need to go need to go ahead and uh, definitely give this race a a rewatch on the official IMSA YouTube channel. That is an uncompensated plug, and also on IMSA Radio's podcast highlights, also an uncompensated plug. And also, if I may say so myself. Um... I am of the firm opinion that if we can change the IMSA schedule right now, um, Road America is an iconic track. Let's make this a six-hour race, please. Yes. Damn yeah. right. Like, oh, damn right. We need more. Yeah, the, the Endurance Cup definitely needs another race. Oh, yeah. Uh... <laughs> make it make it this yes, one. Yes, please. Road America never, never, ever disappoints. Also. Please do not bring F1 there. I do I think you should. This. I do think you should. You shouldn't go back and watch the entire continental race, but you should watch <laughs> that wreck because that Aston Martin fucking explodes. Oh Jesus! Oh jeez! It fucking yeah, tumbled. Um, yeah. It blew yeah, up. So they're all okay after that, right? Oh yeah, everyone's cool. Everyone's fine. Whew, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is. I mean that Aston's toast, but you know, Aston Martins aren't people. <laughs> oh, and by the way, we should make sure that everyone knows that the driver was okay. Yes, both drivers. No, no, that's where. We, yeah, yeah. Oh yes, yes. Um, now, uh, back to we're we're staying in America. We've been staying in America a lot here, you know, with our Brian France story and what we talked about with Insta. Um, part of IndyCar's success is its homegrown talent. And a lot of it has come through the Mazda Road to Indy, which Chris covers. The Indy Light Series down to Pro Mazda, down to the U.S. Formula 2000 Series. Um, part of that success has been the support of Mazda, a car manufacturer, a relevant car manufacturer, a successful car manufacturer, one that is involved in the grassroots level of motorsport. Uh, on the last day of July, we got news that Mazda was withdrawing their support of all three rungs of the Road to Indy. That is, that's pretty big and a little bit worrisome. Yeah, There's... a bit worrisome when you consider the fact that they've given over $12 million in scholarships to the drivers that are going up through the road to Indy. Um, mm-hmm. Not only that, the fact matters that a lot of drivers without that scholarship would not be racing this year, like Victor Franzoni is one of them. Uh, and there's several others through, through the years, like Spencer Piggott. If he didn't win the 
Promaz a title in 14, he wouldn't have gone to Indy Lights in 15, and without winning the Indy Lights title in 15, he wouldn't have gone to IndyCar in 16. Um, yeah. It's it's definitely not uh, an ideal situation, but I'm very confident that Anderson Promotions will find a new title sponsor for the road to Indy. Hopefully, if another OEM comes in, we can probably mm-hmm. hopefully get Mercedes or McLaren so we can keep all those hashtag MRTI stickers that they give out. Yeah, yeah, that's the it's the thing. It's important that we have and Mazda uh, and we have and we do know that uh, at least from uh, reports from the Indianapolis Star that uh, Mazda will still give out advancement scholarships for 2019. So it's not going away all entirely, but you know that that scholarship money is huge and it's going to be tough to try and find somebody to replace it, especially when IndyCar is also um, on the same subject, uh, introducing its own um, license point system similar to Formula mm-hmm. One. You have to meet a certain criteria to get an IndyCar driver license. Probably probably refer this to as the uh, the Shigeaki Atori rule or the Francesco Dracone rule or the Alfonso Chavis rule or the Santino Ferrucci rule. You got my joke before I made it. <laughs> uh <laughs> I also would like to point out that this money kind of isn't disappearing in a way. This money is shifting focus to the Mazda Art uh, Road to 24. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was one of the, the parts I picked up in the uh, in the IMSA press conference that they held. Was that was that Friday night that the IMSA State of the Series yes, press conference Friday was? Night. Yeah. Okay. It's Friday night, like Montel Jordan's hit single. I so listening to that thank you listening to that uh, press conference Mazda is kind of doubling down on both their participation in IMSA with which you saw with the hiring of Yoast and also they want to support more of the grassroots road racing uh, sports car side of things with their MX-5 cup and their road to 24 program um which, yeah, it sucks that they're not supporting both, but at the same time, based on where Mazda is the highest profile in the highest class, it kind of makes sense. If they're eventually looking to turn it into more of a driver development program for them, where do they have cars in the highest level? It's, it's IMSA. It's, it's yeah. IMSA. Yeah. And it's IMSA, and it's with Team Yost. And it's got the prettiest um, <laughs> DPIs on the grid. It's yeah. It they they they're have blessed. They're gonna win a race. Yeah, they're, they're gonna do it soon. But I hope they do it with like a Skyac throwback <laughs> livery. Oh oh, but circling a diesel throwback engine. But please circling no. back to the the IndyCar license uh, talk. Uh, they haven't released the 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 full point system of about how they're gonna deli out eligibility, but there's they've already announced that if you've raced in F1 or the NASCAR Cup Series, you're automatically eligible for a license. You would also be automatically eligible if you finish an Indy Light season in the top three or in the top five at the end of two full seasons. Uh, they're also they're also looking at you know, having eligibility for FIA Formula 2, the NASCAR Xfinity Series, 
GP3 and Formula 3, Formula E, the other rungs of the pro uh, of the of the uh, road to Mazda uh, but ladder. You, I would also think that you know after the success of Robert Wickens and you know uh, them almost having Brendan Hartley, that you know WEC's prototype classes and uh, any of the Class One championships would also be up for consideration. Yeah, the WEC is definitely in, up for consideration. Nothing in the press releases I could find about DTM though or Super GT. Well, DTM's not a real racing series, so. Um, I'm just thinking of, like, what, what car is Aston Martin going to use as its silhouette? The Vantage. Yeah, they They're not going to use the Raptor. Yeah, Are you kidding me? It's going to be the No, you're all wrong. It's you're all wrong. It's the Signal. <laughs> it's going to be a Yo, be a real quick, it has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Did you see that Signet at Goodwood? Yes, I did. The best car ever made with an Aston Martin badge on it. One of the highlights of an all-electric record run from the uh, from the IDR by Volkswagen and Bill Goldberg, professional wrestler, spearing a NASCAR truck into the hay bin. Was that Goldberg? Yeah, it was Goldberg. Yes. That, uh, was, that was that Goldberg. Goodwood's the best. <laughs> Man, I'm, yeah. It sounded like a good time. I, I, Drunk I as hell, crashing that. 250 GTOs. God. Hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. Robo Race gets its first run. Um, that self-driving Mustang speared into, the, speared into the barrier. Well, to be fair, I would have done oh, that no matter what. God. Hell yeah. yeah. Layups on layups. Yeah, that... Yep, uh, that's uh, that's library rats. Though, oh, though right. I do have to run down the list that Racer Magazine pulled together of all the current IndyCar drivers, of all the recent rookies who would not be eligible to be in the series if the current system were in place. Oh, so uh, yeah, this came up recently. Yeah, Matthias Leist would not be eligible because he only had one mm-hmm. season in the lights with a fourth place finish in the in the standings. Uh, ZCD, ZCD, Zachary Clayman DeMello would also not be eligible. Uh, he wouldn't be claiming the license. <laughs> oh, God damn it. <laughs> hey, it's fine. This is this is this is revenge after all my Hungary slash Budapest puns from last week's episode. <laughs> Uh, Rene Binder and Jordan King would not be eligible. As it stands with the current information we know about the system, Robert Wickens would not be eligible. And also, uh, mm-hmm. prospective driver <laughs> prospective driver Santino Ferrucci would also not be eligible. Though, according to IndyCar, there, there will be a way for uh, exceptions to the rule to be made, even though this is before they've even made it. <laughs> I think if you beat Alexander yeah. Rossi to a championship in your uh, <laughs> yes. in, in in your junior level open wheel days, you're good. Yeah. 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 There there will be some exceptions written. Um, you know. You know. I, I I expect that. It's not a. I don't expect this to be a hard and fast sort of thing like the Formula One super license. Also, like the super license, though, there will also be a testing version with uh, less stringent requirements. So. It's not shutting the door completely. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, um, interesting times. We already have 
a series so, champion crowned, and we're going to have two more crowned pretty, pretty so soon. I forgot where I saw it, but I think one point about the, the IndyCar license system really stuck out to me. That someone, I, I don't know who, but pointed out that IndyCar really must be heading to a good place if they're in a position where they could start turning away drivers. Oh, yeah, that's that's kind of the thing. Yeah, they're raising the standards a little bit. We are we're we're outside. We're outside the days of the Dr. Jack Millers <laughs> and the uh, the Dennis Vitolos and the uh, and the and the John Herbs of the world. But I, I saved the last one for last because we want to save the terrible people for last in that tangent. Joe goes. That's besides the point. Bronco Brad Murphy. Oh. And you forgot Racing Gardner. There, there are a lot. There are a lot. No, that's that. You, 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 you refer to him by his Christian name of Slick Racing Gardner. <laughs> God damn it! His full name is Slick Racing Gardner. His middle name is Racing. How? How do you? How do you fuck up with a name like? That? But y'all, how are we going to make our IndyCar debuts when we become rich? We'll just, we'll just Jeez, have to slum it out in the lights for like two years. Uh, no, we're all gonna get iRacing.com <laughs> and buy our own sim rigs and just. I'll just buy my way into F two. That, that sounds like a plan. again. The, the, the... I could score Joseph New. <laughs> I could outscore Joseph Newgarden across a GP three season. I we, am on record. We, we won't know. That. We won't know. GP three won't exist next we'll year know. anymore. Pat, it's over. <laughs> Yep, and uh, you know Formula Three Americas definitely needs the uh, participation. Kyle Kirkwood can only beat what's in front of him. Boy, <laughs> no, did he! <laughs> damn. Oh my God, oh, that yeah. that was so bad to see on race monitor when I was at Road America. Man, four cars. Uh, props that they they did get a top quality driver in the newly crowned USF 2000 champion, but those, those numbers need to pick up a little bit. Just, just a, Ser- seriously, how many championships can Kirkwood win at one time? Like seriously. Damn, he he might want to take a he might want to take a punt at British F three because uh, uh, the the new it's not the British F three you once remember from once upon a time, but it's still a British Formula three and it's getting all the headlines. Billy Monger won a race and did a did a leggy on the podium, and now Jamie oh. Chadwick has become the first woman to win a British Formula Three race. So congratulations to you, Jamie. You are awesome. Keep doing awesome. That, that's my future that, future Toro Rosso driver, Jamie Chadwick. My future wife, Jamie Chadwick. I, 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 my wife. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> my wife. <laughs> um. Uh, I, this show's gone on for a I while. Indulge, shall I indulge in my own bullshit? Yes, yes. Oh, yeah, let's do it, bud. Okay, uh, King, Ting, tee me up. Oh, God, what are we teeing up on? Can I tee you up? No, I, I've got it. Yes. Hey, R- RJ, why don't you tell me yes. about how Hatsune Miku did this past weekend? Oh goodness. Well, we'll get we'll get to the uh, we'll get to the Fuji 500 miles. Yes. Forget the 500 miles of Daytona, Darlington, or Indianapolis. Fuji is where it's at. That that statement's a bit of an exaggeration, but it, it goes along with my branch. Just stick with me for the a bit. The Proclaimer's saying about um, it. Yes. All right. So uh, we had a 500-mile race at Fuji Speedway, fifth round of the Super GT Series. Big in, It's the big endurance race in the middle of the summer. It's the new one to replace what is now the Suzuka 10 Hours. 
And uh, in a race where it looked like the Calsonic GTR of Daiki Sasaki and Jan Martinborough were probably going to cruise away with it, a broken intercooler pipe with less than 30 laps to go ground them to a halt. They would lose two laps in the garage, and that opened the door for Letsis Toms Racing to take a 1-2 finish, uh, led by the number 36 orange and white AU Toms LC500 of Kazuki Nakajima, who has a habit of winning these uh, long-distance races, and Yuhi Sekiguchi, who is always on 10 at every time that he drives, and I love him for it. Uh, second in the race was Rio Hirakawa and Nick Cassidy, the defending series champions, who move up to the points lead by seven points with their second-place finish. They have not won a race all season, but they do have three podiums, and they've been consistent all year, and I kind of feel like a win is coming for uh, for Cassidy, um, who, who was a former... For Cassidy and uh, uh, Dale Coyne racing alumnus, Ryo Hirakawa, never forget. Um, out of a day where it looked like Honda was not going to do well because it was very hot and the NSX GTs don't do well in hot conditions, uh, one of them got in the podium. That would be the number 17 Keihin NSX of Kodai Sukakochi and Takashi Kogure, which started 14 after an engine problem, didn't even let them qualify the car, and then they just picked their way up into third and pat i know you'll be glad to know that jensen button and naoki yamamoto got a top five finish mm-hmm. in the rayburg and sets despite yamamoto locking his brakes and doing a half spin at turn one and button picking up a drive-through penalty for overtaking under yellows so all things considered everything went all right in gt500 it was a thriller uh gt300 was more of a history making race um that number 55 Autobacks racing team at Guri BMW, it's not the big M8, but it is a fairly large size M6, and it is pretty powerful. Um, Shinichi Takagi and Sean Walkinshaw picking up their third consecutive win in a race at Fuji. It's their fourth win at the Fuji Summer Race, which was the 300 kilometers. And for Takagi, he becomes the first GT300 driver to reach 20 career victories, and almost half of them have come just within the last six years. That is astonishing they own this track and that was with 52 kilograms of ballast that wasn't easy to do but they just drove away from the field over 500 Um, miles 807 kilometers uh 177 laps for the gt500 cars um attendance was good around 60,000. so we're not doing like fuji 500k kilometer races because it's not you know a national week-long holiday but that's still a yeah. very good crowd like sixty thousand for a for an endurance sports car race is nothing yeah like the so would murder for those figures yeah yeah like the boys in the booth specifically our friend counselor sam he he said like visually it looked as almost as good as golden week yeah um also uh to answer an earlier question how did hatsune maker do how did hatsune maker do well um they finished second Best result of the season for Nobuteru Taniguchi and Tatsuya Kataoka in the number zero Miku Mercedes AMG G3 with the number 31 Toyota Prius, the mid-engined V8-powered uh, Toyota Prius APR GT of Koki Saga and Kohei Rate finishing third. In case you were keeping tracks of this, uh, Koki Saga um, does a lot of silly costumes in the pre-race driver introduction ceremony. Today, he dressed as... Uh, Toyota's mascot, Kumakichi. Sick. Wonderful. I love everything about this series. Uh, please watch the highlights, the extended highlights of Jetson Button TV or the whole race on Nismo TV. 
you will not be disappointed. Um, we've, I think, I think, unless, King, we have missed any pressing news. Well, we well, kind of skimmed over uh, IndyCar and Anderson Promotions kind of saying what the five-year future of the lights were going to be now that Mazda will no longer be sponsoring you know, Indy Lights and the other road to Massa programs, and they've kind of, uh, the future of, of Indy Lights is that they want to continue the scholarship program, as well as try to cut costs for the lights down to below they, a they million definitely dollars. Need to, they definitely need to continue that scholarship. Because they're aiming to get a full season entry in Indy Lights into the 850000 to $900,000 range, uh, while also increasing the scholarship from a $1 million scholarship to a $1.1 million scholarship. That's just inflation right there. Yeah, that's kind of just inflation, and uh, winning the scholarship will mean that you'll actually make money running in Indy Lights. Man, it's a, it's a tough business. And uh, you know if they get the if they get the cost cap down, that'll certainly help the uh, the short term problem they've been having, uh, which Chris has discussed many times. I feel like those car counts are coming back up. It's got to come yeah, up soon, go though. Up. Hopefully, supposedly Carlin's coming back next year, and there's other teams that are looking yes. at uh, that are looking at coming back, or rather, not coming back but moving up. But I mean, then again, there's there's a million and one rumors out there about who's mo- looking at moving up, but. Um, We'll have to see for next year. Quite frankly, the announcements that they made about cost cutting doesn't go far enough. I think that the Indy Lights team budget should be at most eight hundred thousand dollars a year, but that's just me. Yeah, they'd have to stop running Indy. They well, have to were, stop the, running Indianapolis. They they've only they only had one crash this year, and it was. Uh, Funny enough, it was the one guy that has never raced in a rear engine car that crashed in practice. <laughs> well, statistically, that one crash was then, what, 75% of the grid? So, like... Oh, R.I.P. Chris oh, Wyndham. But... No, Chris yeah. Wyndham's still alive. And, in fact, he's still winning. Because, shit, he wanted to win. That was Jason Johnson. Oh, yes. By the way, uh, if I may, I, if I may, Jason Johnson racing... Yes. Uh, uh, it was running at the 360 Nationals at the Nax- at the Knoxville Nationals in Knoxville, Iowa. And on the second night out of three, the 360 their wing 360 sprint car actually won uh, with I think it was Carson Monsado uh, winning. Uh, I believe that's correct. Uh, so congrats to them for getting that win um, just uh, less than two months after Jason Johnson's uh, fatal incident. So uh, nice job, guys. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. They, they, shit, they really wanted to win that, and damn, damn it, they did. Um, Pat, um, any closing remarks on this uh, on this wonderful mess? Of, oh my goodness, this show is so American. Trey is going to <laughs> Trey is going to pour, Trey is going to drop trying to drop the uh, going to drop the going to drop the polonium right in all of our yeah, yeah. all of our I, wonderful pallets of monster I, energy that he's. Putting I, no collusion. I, I remember back in the day, long time listeners know this when we first had Adam Johnson on the show. Johnson being a big NASCAR fan, Dre was getting worried that the show was getting too American. <laughs> I no for At Adam Johnson challenge me, and I will put up my spot on the show at All In. 
Uh, shouldn't it be SummerSlam? <laughs> They'll put. They they need it. Uh, no, you're thinking. You're thinking of summer. You're thinking of Summerfest. That's entirely. <laughs> okay. That's also wrestling deep cut. Uh, well, it's coming to you from the G1 special. Uh, I I just want to say uh, it is. We've got some good news uh, that I just saw when we started getting on. Yep. Nikki Lauda is apparently uh, conscious and breathing on his own again after a lung transplant where he was given three to seven days to live if he did not get those new lungs so uh again the man who's cheated death so many times and then also those lungs went through a lot those were his original lungs those were the fire lungs those lungs put up with a lot so rest well nikki lauda's lungs I saw that scene in Rush. That was deeply uncomfortable viewing. So I, so I, so yeah, um, definitely glad to hear that Nikki Lauda is back on the mend. So that is really, really awesome. I think that is the perfect note on which we can close episode 155 of Motorsport 101. Thank you to everybody who has listened. Thank you to all of our backers on patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101 again we are on facebook.com forward slash motorsport 101 twitter at motorsport underscore 101 you can watch our youtube channel youtube.com forward slash motorsport 101 to check out all of our past highlights of everyone of most if not all of our shows um and thank you to all of our 2,000 subscribers thank you all so much you were all so so very awesome thank you to chris and to pat who helped fill in Thank you to King, who as always keeps holding down the fort. Dre will be back for Bike Live, which will come out later this week. I'm RJ O'Connell. I'm uh, with uh, with Ryan Eric King, with Patrick Hofstetter, with Krista Hardy. Thank you so so much for listening, and we will catch you on the next episode later, y'all. Bye. Bye. Black and yellow. <laughs>